what it all comes down to. This is music. This is mayhem. This is a high voltage rock and roll podcast especially for you. Don't think because you haven't heard of us that we didn't exist. We've been here all along like a spirit roaming the night, seldom stopping to rest. Our path has been marked by the bolted skull and bones, smashed guitars, and starred stages across the world. Welcome to the full-on church of rock and roll. This is only the beginning. Here we are. Welcome, welcome, yeah. welcome. We are here with John Tempesta. How are you doing, John? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We also have Keelan Ellis with us. Hey, Keelan, what's up, my bad-ass brother? <laughs> hello. And we have Ike De La Torre, and we have Damien De La Torre. Hello, what's up, hello. man? What's, what's up, fellas? How's it going, man? How you doing, man? Good, great. Thanks for asking. We're, we're still supposed to grab a drink at Birds, but um, I guess COVID's kind of fucked that up, huh? Point. Yeah. Uh, how, how are you hanging in with all that? Uh, I'm hanging in it basically. <laughs> you know, at the house here, but you know, I try to go to my drum room in the morning. I'm up so early, so you know, start cleaning the house because I'm a nut. And then that's this cat Giano calls me nut on the hill. I was so gonna say, go. I've heard nut on the hill. <laughs> yes, that's it. And then I clean the house, and you know, I'll take the dog to the park for a while, and you know, go to my drum room, and just trying to get through the day, man. Yeah, when I'm, I'm passed out by like nine o'clock at night, and nice. we started all over again at five in the morning again. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. So what are you working ah. on now? I mean, I know everyone's on hold band. I mean, you've been in so many bands, John, and you've, you've done so much. Like, just being home during this time, it has to be just driving you crazy. Yeah, it's, it's all right. I mean, we take breaks. I mean, I'm kind of used to a, little, a bit of a long break with the cult, you know, after a long tour and stuff. But um, at this point, we, we, we would have been doing something, you know, especially around this uh you know, November, December time. But yeah, I've got a couple records in the works. And I was in New York just last month and I did a record with Caggiano out there for a side project we have called Temple of the Black Moon. So that's going to be pretty Ooh, heavy. Nice. Is that with King and of Hell? Also, yeah, King of Hell. Ah. Danny Filth. So it's cool, man. That kid worked me, but it's a lot of fun. And I haven't played like that in a while. So definitely I got me going on that. And then also we finished up on a Motor Sister record this month. So. Oh, nice. I want to talk about that. So yeah. you, you come originally from, from the Bronx, correct? Yes, yes. You grew That's up. I know Charlie and Frankie. Yeah, so you grew up, and I first met you during the Reagan administration when you were working for Charlie. You were his drum tech. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, yeah. God, I, I'll never forget Cleveland. How about that one? Oh. It was excellent. Tell these guys the story of that one, okay? So, so we're in Cleveland with Johnny, and 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 we're gonna skip around a little bit, but but John, you, he gets into Exodus after the MTV tour, right? After the headbang. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So John joins Exodus, and we go see him at this club called the Fantasy in Cleveland. Backstage, you know, there's there's the catering and all that stuff, and the rider. So he has a beer, and he he's going outside, and and our friend Ian Shipley was like dude, you can't go outside with that. You're going to get arrested. And John's like, fuck you. Yeah, whatever we're going to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> Typical Tempesta. One step Rebel. outside, man. One step. The cops. Woo! That was it. They turned around and everything. Like a U-turn. They Like from across the street, they're driving. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me, man. <laughs> yeah. It was like really? unbelievable. And you had to go in, right? I did. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So, so Ian was looking out for you. Yeah, Ian's always looking out. I know, man. Ian Shipley. All right. <laughs> you know what else happened in Cleveland? It was after that tour, after that MTV tour, and I, you know, I went to get my seats out by the front of house or whatever, and you were mm -hmm. you were taking care of Charlie's stuff, and you whipped a stick out into the crowd because there were still fans there, and I was walking, oh. and you hit me right in the face, oh. man. Oh, <laughs> are you sure that wasn't on purpose? <laughs> yeah, right. You gave me a black eye, John. Right. That's gonna leave a mark. Oh shit. Wow. So how do you meet those guys? Like, how do you meet Charlie? How do you meet Frank? Did you guys grow up as kids together? Or? Uh, yeah, actually from a mutual friend, um, Mike Nicolari said, you got to meet my friend Charlie. You guys are in the same kind of music. And there was this, little, this bar, you know, little bands play there, a small little club on East Street One Avenue called a Man's Castle. And that's when I met him. And they, uh, Mike introduced me, and we just hit it off. It's like, oh, man, we got to get together and jam. And, and after school, 
at the high school, like um, I would go to his place, you know, Charlie was already out and he'd just be home practicing all day long. And I get behind his big kit. He had like a big Neil Peer kit and, uh, and Charlie would have the cheap guitar and we jam on Motorhead songs, Iron Maiden and stuff like Saxon. So we were really into that. So that, that was basically it. And then, um, and Frankie and I, we were, we were in high school together. We were in a jazz band together. I did not know that. Hmm. And we would play Iron Maiden songs in freaking jazz bands. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so that's how it all started. And my brother as well, he was there. So we go for pizza for lunch every day, buy records and stuff, the local, you know, record store, buy vinyl. And it was a great time back then, man. So when you different now. Yeah, when you met Charlie, like was he did they already have anthrax? Was he with Danny and, and Scott yet, or was he just before that? No, not at that point. But I remember when he he went for the gig, he got the gig and I was like, wow, you know, and actually the funny thing is his first live show, I believe it was his first live show or, or a bigger show, um, who was it? Crocus. They did a show at Crocus in, I believe it was in Boston somewhere, and I lent him my drum kit at the time because he didn't have a full, like, kit, like a sponsorship, and I had pretty much a big double bass, like, cozy kit, and uh, that was it, man, and then Frankie... They had, he, um, Frankie was telling me in high school, yeah, they asked me, you know, do, you know, join the band. And he was just a kid, like 17 at the, at that time. I'm like, yeah, yeah you got to do it, man. Are you kidding me? So that's all that happened. And then, so they, they put out Fistful of Metal. When do you start working for Charlie? It was just like, hey, I'm going on tour. I need someone or? It was a joke, basically. It was, it was, um, it was, bef- it was actually when they did their makeup dates with Metallica, when you know Cliff died and Jason got in the band, was in Europe, and Charlie goes, "We need a tech. Why don't you come out with me?" Because I knew everything about drums and we were friends, and like, and and I wasn't doing anything at the time. I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds like fun." Shit, you know, I get to get out of my parents' house to travel, and my buddies go to Europe, and you know, just do what I love, and and that was it. But that was for two weeks in Europe, and then a month later they were going to Japan, and I stuck with them, and and basically that was like. I was with them for uh, two and a half years, which led me into Exodus as well as Testament, being a drum tech. So, yeah, so you start, so so people that don't know, John was Charlie's drum tech, and he got into those bands. He first went to Exodus, then Testament, and then from, mm-hmm. from Testament, which you're, you're doing your metal chops there, you're doing your double bass, because you, mm-hmm. who was the drummer in Testament before you? Uh, actually, well, it was Louis Clemente, but then Louis left the band, and then Paul Bostoff was did that tour before I got in there, but then Paul went to Slayer from there. Yeah, okay. And then you go to White Zombie. How does that right. happen? That was through a, a couple friends. You know, my name got bounced around. Zombie was looking for a drummer. I, w- I was, you know, going back and forth from L.A. to San Francisco with Testament. And, you know, I, you know, at the time I was living in L.A., I wanted to be a band closer. I, I love the Testament record, don't get me wrong, doing yeah. the low record. But then this came up, and I just thought Zombie, there, there was something special about them. They were new, and they had this thing. And I just thought, like, and I seen them open up for Anthrax, as a matter of fact, Irvine Meadows. Mm-hmm. I'm like, they're good, but that German, they, they need more power to them, right? So my name came up with through the management with Walter O'Brien. You know, he was handling, you know, Pantera at the time with Andy Gould, and as well as Takumi. He called me and uh, mentioned, like, hey, man, they're looking for a drummer. So long story short, my name kept coming up, and, and, and Ted Keita called me, their tour manager, oh. the sound guy at the time. And Ted lived, um, the studio was honestly like five minutes from my apartment at the time, you know, the old Bill's place. And he goes, this is the day before the audition. And Ted, like, why don't you, why don't you come down here and we'll meet and talk. I know your brother. And, you know, and that was it. I went to the studio, and he gave me, a, a, you know, a few tips. They were doing a bunch of sampling things at the time, which I never did before, like with these spikes on the drums, right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so he really helped me uh, get in the gig for that, you know. That's great. Helped me. I yeah. love Ted. I miss Ted so much. Have you talked to him? Me too, man. Yeah, you know, we would, you know, message here and there on Facebook. I think the last time I seen him was when he was uh, – I was doing Sound for Soundgarden, actually. Yes. Sound for Soundgarden. He, he uh, with was. Nine Inch Nails at Irvine Meadows, yeah. Yeah, he so. was. Ted, Ted's great because Ted like, he likes all of that killer old shit. He loves, like, Alex Harvey band, and he, and he loves trapeze. You know, all the stuff that people usually don't talk about. That's why I love talking to I Ted. I know. Well, me too. I, I mean, know. you know, Deep Purple, he's a huge Queen guy. And uh, it's so funny. I was just talking to my friend about Ted... Um, Ted McKenna yesterday, Oof. you know, Alex Harvey and, and uh, you remember Steve, Steve Warner by any chance? Yeah. Budgie. 
Yeah, so Steve and I were talking for a while. He goes, man, you and Ted were buds, and I seen him play with Rory Gallagher like in 84 somewhere. I'm like, wow, man, what a trip. I, I still can't get over that one with Ted, you know? I know. How did, how did, how did you meet Ted McKenna? I mean, that's, that's a pretty big deal. Um, uh, through a mutual friend, and, you know Andy Buchanan, right? Oh yeah, photographer. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was in. Anytime we played Scotland, and through Ted, uh, a mutual friend, and, and he came out to the show, and and yeah, every time I go to Scotland, I was there for my birthday, and we had lunch, and later on he came to Andy's place, and he actually gave me a pair of cozy sticks that Cozy gave to Ted. Wow. And assign them to me. So awesome. that blew my mind. And then and then he goes, I'll bring my practice pad over to Andy's uh, flat at the time. And and we I actually, Andy recently just sent me the video of this. I've been asking for years. He has a video of us together playing Captain Nemo from Michael Schenker on the pad. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. I got, I got to send it to you as a trip. I so. think that's what I love about you, John. And it shows in your playing is you're, you're actually a fan. You know what I mean? Like, you love these oh, yeah. drummers. I, I know a lot of people in bands and bigger bands that just care about what they're doing. It's a job for them. But you, you know, you and I talk all the time about yeah. certain bands and you school me on some stuff because we disagree about how good Roger Taylor from Queen was. And, you know, like you. Oh, what? I, did I say he wasn't? I love Roger Taylor. No, I said it's like you're in a band as good as Queen. He other than the oh. voice, he's. There's two drummers, and you're going to disagree with me, that I think are highly overrated. Roger Taylor's one, and Eric Carr was another. So. Oh, don't you fucking talk about Eric <laughs> Carr like that, man. Uh, nice guy. I'm just saying, like, anyone, a lot of drummers could have played that part in that band at that time. Get out of here, man. <laughs> now with the power, Eric is great. He's also a great singer as well, man. You think so? <laughs> Did I tell you my Eric, you want to hear my Eric Carr story? Yeah, of course. Uh, That's yeah. why I called you. <laughs> so so um, you know checking for Charlie and they did the Kiss tour you know the, what was that Crazy Nights tour yes and then and Eric always took a like he goes man we we got to get you in the band and he really went out of his way um, he got me an audition for this band called Fifth Angel from Seattle back in the day okay remember them yeah I do they were like a Queensrÿ kind of band so um, they flew me up there and you know. There was no money at the time. It didn't work. I just stuck with Charlie. And then he got me an audition for Ace Freely. And he actually, it was at SIR in New York. And he came down to the audition and introduced me to Ace. That's what, how great of a guy he was, man. Wait, Eric so, Carr came down, like, to an audition? Yeah, he, had no, he came oh. down, and, you know, for the, you know, seeing, you know, just to introduce me to Ace in person. So yeah. that, that's how amazing he was. And so later on, you know, we had some time off. And he calls me at my mom's house. He goes, hey, man, I need a drum check to set up my kit. You know, you want to do it? I go, well, I don't have a car. So he goes, I'll send you a car service. And it was for the video, X and Sex. Remember that one? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, I, so yeah, I set up that big chrome-ass kit, you know, with the, with the Chinese decals and blah. So it was great. And then I broke him down the next day. And then he drove me back in the in the Porsche that, that Kiss bought him, you know. When he from joined, like, yeah. There was, I guess, yeah, when he first joined, you know. So we went to Hawaii Sea. Have you ever been there in the Bronx? That's where we used to hang out. No, no. Okay, so it's a place near, you know, near my mom's house, and that's where we get together. So we went there. Uh, he drove me home to my mom's, and then uh, we, went, we went for a drink first at Hawaii Sea, and he's telling me all about Kiss. And, and anyway, he drives my mom's, and I go, you got to come up and meet my mother, all right? <laughs> so, and this is like, you have to walk up the stairs, you know, the first level, the second level. And this is a Tuesday night, and this is my mom's card party. It's like Goodfellas, the ladies with the smoke with the big hair and shit, <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I open the door and then I go, Mom, it's Eric. And everybody, oh my God, look at his <laughs> hair. You know, it was fucking hysterical. And that was Eric. Goes, nice to meet you, Mrs. Tepesta. I got to go. <laughs> that uh, was it, man. I was a great guy. The hair you had then, the hair Eric Carr had, and Benante, oh, yeah. the three of you guys together, uh, like a cartoon show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's in the FNV video, isn't it? Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, so, yeah. so you do that and. You're in White Zombie for a minute, and then that goes away. You immediately join Rob's band. You're you're the one guy that that still gets to be in in Rob Zombie after White Zombie. Yeah, because I was a new guy, so Rob and I were pretty tight. And uh, you know, Rob was like, "Well, I'm done with this band, but I'm gonna do my own thing. So you want to come along, kind of deal?" So I'm like, "Of course, man." So that's how that happened. That was for uh, yeah, and then uh, and then we auditioned Blasco and was like, oh, this guy's awesome for the band. And then Riggs came in, so it, it was it was good chemistry at the time. It was new and it was you know it was different from what we had with White Zombie. 
you know. Uh, but I love both bands. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, so. listen, I don't want to get I don't get anyone in trouble, but I just would remember because uh, I was working those Rob Zombie records back then, and we were all we'd all be backstage having a good time, and with Sherry there, and it, and it was great. <laughs> And then when he, Rob would walk in, it's like someone's parents came in. It's like, oh, geez. oh yeah, <laughs> right. it was like, bah, bah. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. You, you have this Gene Simmons statue, right? That I know about, and didn't Rob have something to do with like wanting oh, it from you? That was before John was in the band, but we had we had done shows with White Zombie, and he wanted. I had a Jack Benny painted like Gene Simmons, and Rob <laughs> wanted it, and he tried to take it, and it fell and it broke, and I was like, oh. So years, yeah, years later of working with him, um, I would like to remind him because the guy owes me six hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I didn't know that one. Yeah. Wow. And then, how yeah. do you meet the other guy we all know and love, Dante? Oh, Dante! That was yeah. I met Dante when I was with my first band, Jackals, and okay. that was a like. Back in the day, I was a teenager, and that's when I knew the Anthrax guys. You did, like, covers and original, a few originals. All the bands did that, like, you know, Twisted Sister at the time, Zebra and all Zebra. that. And there was the place, the Rising Sunny Yonkers, and all the bands played there. Black Lace and, you know, Charlie would come, Frankie. And um, Dante came to the show, and he introduced me. He had a Gretsch shirt on. I played Gretsch drums. And since then, we became, he brought me a Gretsch shirt, and that was it since that day, man. 17 years old, I believe. Uh, love that guy. So, Julio. <laughs> so gro- growing up in in the Bronx, like, what's the first like concert you see? What what are the bands you're into at the time? Was it New Wave of British the Heavy first Metal? Band or? I seen. Well, this is the thing. My next door neighbor, Charlie Castelluccio, um, he was like the cool guy, um, you know, drummer, and he had a blue sparkle kit. And I was just like, whoa! I was I was 11, 12 years old, and right next door, you know, just go right over the porch and everything. I go in the basement, like, wow, this guy's bad. And he knew, you know, I was really into drums at the time, so he upgraded to a bigger kit, a gold sparkle kit, like another extra tom. And so he sold that kit. He was selling it, and he asked my mom, like, hey, I'll sell this drum kit to Johnny for twenty five bucks. And of course, I begged my mother, you know, and because um, they would buy me those toy kits at the time. I break it in an hour with those paper heads. Yeah, the stuff. paper heads. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was like, all right, we got to upgrade, kids. Let's go, you know. So, so uh, we got the kit. I remember bringing it over and I cleaned them up, put jewelry on the freaking kids, and and so I was so into it. And and Charlie goes, uh, so my mom again. I have an extra ticket for David Bowie. I want to take Johnny to the concert. It was Bowie in '77 in Madison Square Garden, man. Mm. That was my first concert. Wow. wow, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good yeah, one. Yeah, and that was a drummer, Dennis Davis, who I thought was Billy Cobham. We had shitty tickets. It was on the side of the stage, but it was perfect for me because I got a view of the drummer, right? Yeah. So get this. Years later, I would go see Marco, you know, at Manny's Music. Yeah. Anytime I was in New York, I think we were doing like the Letterman Show or some shit. And uh, I would always go up and say hi. And I'm looking around at everything, and I'm walking. It's like, and Marco goes, hey, Johnny, do you know this guy, Dennis? I go, no, no. Dennis Davis, like, get the <laughs> hell out of here. I freaked out, man. I go, you're the first time i ever seen. Like, you're a big, you know, influence to me. He goes, oh, man, I don't know who you are. I'm going to come check you out. Oh, and nice. we were playing the Roseland Ballroom, you know, in two weeks. So... I go back up right before we play, like I think the day before the show at Roseland. I ran into him again. He goes, man, I want to come to the show. And so I, I looked at Marco. You, I go, you think he'll show up? He goes, yeah, definitely. So I put him on the guest list, right? It was a big show. It was like sold out. Roseland, it was the Rob Zombie Hellbilly tour, the first tour. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, family's there, Tommy Lee, Nikki Six, and everybody that was there. And so... um I get a message from the security guy before we're going on. He goes, hey, man, I just want to let you know that Dennis Davis is here. I'm like, oh, shit, he showed up, right? So after, wow. we had a great show. It was amazing, New York and the whole thing. And after, after um, you know, the show got ready, I went down the stairs uh, from the dressing room. I opened the door, and it was Dennis, and he bowed down to me. I was like, and I just had the chills. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. This is so surreal, you know? Wow, that's that's awesome. a great story. Yeah. I, I love that you've been able to connect with the people that mattered to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whether it's, man. you know, Cozy Sticks or that story you just told. I mean, again, oh, you, yeah. you are such a fan of it. Yeah, and they yeah, always say, don't meet your heroes. Every time I tell that story, man. <laughs> I'm like, that. Yeah, you know? it's a big deal. Um, so so you're growing up in the Bronx. Like, what what is the thing that turned you, like, before music? Are you, like, a comic book guy? Are you a sports guy? And then you discover music? Sports or? guy, because of my older brother and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, my the cool thing about the neighborhood I grew up in, uh, my older brother, he's, like, five years older than me. So 
I got into music like you know into Kiss during like Hotter Than Hell when it came out because yeah. he's seen that all that stuff and you know Aerosmith and the stuff we love Sabbath Zeppelin Nugent you know but but Kiss was the thing when when that came out forget it man that just blew my mind and yeah as anybody as a kid you're playing you want to be them dress up like them so. That yeah. did it for me. He's going to yeah. kill me, but there's that picture of, of Charlie dressed like, I think, Paul Stanley from, like, the Dynasty tour. But he's, st- <laughs> he's like, older. You know what I mean? Like, priority in a band. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, there's that Andy Reid, the football coach, and there's always yeah. pictures of him and pump, pass, and kick, and he looks like he's 30 already. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. You know I love you. I think we all seen that show, the, uh, the Dynasty show yeah. at the Garden. It was all right. I mean, you know, obviously when you're young, but you want to see Kiss on the Destroyer or Rock and Roll. You know what I mean? That tour. It's funny because, like, people our age, like, get into Kiss at different times. And some people like, oh, I saw Kiss. And I'm immediately like, I'm sure you're going to say the Dynasty tour and it doesn't count because you missed it. You know what I mean? And the stage was lame, man. If you you look at the stage prior to that, it was huge. And, like, what what are you guys on a budget now? You know? (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) But but how was that for you? Like... You, you grew up and you saw those Kiss shows, and then when you're with Rob Zombie, I mean, you had those shows, like, with the fire. Uh, it blew and, me away, man. Yeah. That, that was, that's what I loved about playing with Zombie. Was the, it was the whole, like, I would say the Kiss experience with all the pyro and the bombs and all that. And then on the second tour we did, uh, Sinister Earth, the drum riser was, like, eight feet high, man. Exactly. It, it was you're, insane. You're way up really? there. There was so much fire. Like, the, the Rob Zombie show at that time was the equivalent of that picture inside the gatefold of Kiss Alive 2 where all of that fire, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Exactly. That was that was like some of the biggest fire at the time. I mean, yeah. Now you got the Rammsteins and Slayer had a, a lot of pyro in the last one. Yeah. Too. It always made sense with you guys, you know, with, with Rob Zombie because, and some of them were, I remember a couple shows like I was out there with you guys in like Madison, Wisconsin. I thought the place was going to burn down because... <laughs> You guys never cared how big of a space it was. Like that fire was going to happen no matter what, and I love that. And as you, as you know, all pyrotechnics are freaking—they're out of their minds. They right? don't, you know, yeah. the bigger the better. So, let me try this one out today. This would be cool. Man. Exactly. Did you ever feel in danger at all when you guys were all that fire going on? Uh, it was cl- honestly. I would come off the stage. I have like a little suntan. I'm like, Check this out, man. <laughs> but one time. Um, we, there was so much smoke. I think it was the last song, Blood, Milk, and Sky. And uh, with that, and I thought it was a or something, and the confetti came down, and I couldn't breathe, man. I'm like, I was choking, man. Yeah, that was not good. I think, yeah, I, I think it was from the sulfur from the, uh, and yeah. I, saw, I, I asked the pyro company, it was like, is that sulfur in that freaking shit? Man? <laughs> oh, that's God. the thing. It's going to kill me up here. That's what so. I kept saying. Like, you guys were using fire in the way they did it in, like, 74, where it was literally yeah, just fire. Yeah. It wasn't special effects <laughs> fire. It's like, yeah. Fire, 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 fire. Yeah, they, they didn't care. Yeah. Fire it up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Man. All right, cool. So, <laughs> so then... You, from Rob Zombie, you end up in the cult, but you tried out for the cult years before, right? Because that was yeah, your that's a funny story too. Thirteen years prior to getting the gig, I um, you, you know who Ron Lafitte is? I sure do. Yeah, you managed Megadeth, and then he became like the vice president or something with Capitol, Capitol Records. Records. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, we, we were old friends, and he goes, Johnny, the, the cult are looking for. I was in Testament at the time, I believe, and you know, I was like, yeah looking for something different and and, uh, and I always liked the call because I mean Love honest it, yeah. it was funny yeah and I remember like meeting uh, Billy Duffy what was the Anthrax show in 88 I want to say he came out to the show I think it was with Kiss and on the tour bus and then Charlie introduced me to him I was like oh man Billy Duffy wow cool and then Charlie and I we went to see them on the electric tour so Let's get back here. Where am I at now? So with the cold, so Ron Lafitte goes, hey, man, I, these guys are looking for a job. I think you'll be perfect. And, you know, this is what they're looking for, the look and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. So he sent me the song of The Witch, the, you know, the Rick Rubin demo. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so I, I you know, I knew the songs and everything. I was fired up. I was really confident I was going to get the gig. So my friend at the time drives me to Third Encore Studios. It's hot as fuck this day, you know, in the valley out there. I'm like, so I, I woke up to the receptionist. I'm like, hey, I'm here for the cult gig. She goes, oh, sorry, honey, they're not here today. I'm like, are you sure? I'm supposed to have an audition. I'm like, no, no, they're not doing anything. And so I call, now I have to go to the freaking pay phone to call Ron up. I'm like, what happened, man? He goes, I don't know. These guys are out of their minds. So. <laughs> and it never happened. But I'll tell you what, you know, timing is everything because if I would have gotten out, I wouldn't have been a white zombie after that. So True. you never true. know, right? Yeah. 
and then it all comes back full circle. You know, after you go and you're in Helmet, which we'll talk about, you end up back in the cult. I mean, do you ever go to Ian and Billy like, hey, I was supposed to be there 13 years ago? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they don't think of me and they both go, I don't remember that. They were out of their moms back <laughs> of course. then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah of course. and then, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that's so funny. And then Mike Monterullo, he said, you know, knowing Tom Vitorino, said, hey, they're auditioning drummer. I was like, oh, that band again. So, but uh, I just, you know. I was like, I'll give it a shot, and that's what happened. Yeah, I know. Yep. and now you're there. So almost 15 years, man. That is unbelievable. February. So, so prior to <laughs> that, you did. you were in Helmet, and you got to play yeah. with Frankie, who you went to high school with, which is crazy. Ah, uh, that was so much fun. Honestly, that that was like just going to summer camp, just having your buddies, and just playing straight. Bro, you know, I love Helmet. That's another band. I mean, yeah, that, that's another one. Like Renee Mata introduced me to Paige because mm-hmm. uh, Paige had just moved to LA and he was looking to put something together. And he goes, "Hey, brother," he goes, uh, "You know, Paige is looking to get something together." I'm like, "All right, cool. Let's let's hang out." So Paige and I talked. We met at the Cat and Fiddle. He brought a his CD over and you know had a couple drinks. Blah blah blah. I'm like, "Hey, I got I got a little drum room. If you want to bring an amp, I'll just jam." I was like, forget about the CD. And and that was it. He came down with his amp. We jam and we just clicked right then and there. And then, I mean, those shows when when you and Bella were in that band, I mean, you guys pushed it so much. It was so great. Yeah, so that was fun, man. Yeah, Yeah. I was bummed when Frank. Well, it was great for Frank going back to Anthrax. Like, oh man, I'm gonna miss my buddy, my little buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Who did replace Frank in there? Um, Jeremy. He was a singer. What's that? Man, you're gonna kill me right now. Handsome. Oh yeah, with Tom Capone's thing. That's right. Yeah. So he was the singer in that band. He played bass or yeah, I forget how it worked. Wow. And then while you're doing all this stuff, your brother Mike, who I love dearly, he's out mm-hmm. there. Like you guys, your parents must have been so proud, man. Like you guys it was, it was great. I mean, yeah. you guys are both I mean, Mike's doing really well from now. He has a beautiful family, works over at Fender. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he, he, he was in Power Man five thousand. He was in what's the band with Amy? I always forget. Human Human Waste Project. Human that Waste Project. Band. Yeah. Have you mm-hmm. ever played or recorded with Mike? Well, it's funny you say that because there's a track we're going to probably record pretty soon. And uh, yeah, I don't want to say it right now. Okay, but that's fine. We, I did some for Zildjian um, last year. It was, it was a song we did we did together. It was for a drum clinic we did years ago. And so Zildjian asked me to do something in their showroom. They were doing like a whole like master thing. And so we set up live and just jammed it. It was like more of a Schenker kind of thing. So I'm like, this is really cool. So that's great. And they loved it. So and uh, on this project, I'll tell you later. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, when you watch drummers, like, do you have any drummers that you think that, or a band that you're like, man, I I could do better in that band, or any dream band? No, I never look at drummers like that. I think yeah. everybody has their own distinct style, man, and that's what sets everything apart, you know. Yeah. If you had a dream band that you were in or could be in, which would it be? Uh, Rainbow. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. You hate that Bobby that much? Time. I mean, I love the first Ozzy, you know, Sabbath Ozzy. I've seen that for the Blizzard of Oz tour, man. Oh, yeah. God, that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, come on. And, it, and one thing we do have in common is Derringer, man. Oh, Derringer is the shit. Those those three <laughs> albums and the live album? Oh, it's yeah. so incredible. Did you see them when they came back on the reunion tour? They played the Key Club. I did not see them. I actually got an email oh, from wow. Rick a couple weeks ago. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but I did not see them. I saw them once open for Aerosmith in Cleveland, and they, they killed them. They killed Aerosmith. <laughs> but when was that? Was that like in the early days? Because my oldest brother's seen them open up for Aerosmith like in 75 or 76. This, this was the Rocks tour, so it would be 76. Yeah, 76. Yeah. That's yeah. it. So, Night Bob doing sound. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they were just so good. And I think that's a band, and correct me if, if you disagree, that's like I think Derringer and Ted Nugent were the two bands that Van Halen killed the most because I think those bands were about to be that next thing, especially after that Derringer live album. Yeah, good point. Yeah, around that time too. Yeah. Yeah, but once once Van Halen hit, there was nothing was the same. You know what I mean? Oh, that was, that was it. Honestly, I seen that tour and um, at the Guard. I was about fifteen years old. 78, and we walk in, me and my friends, and uh, actually my bass player and, and guitar player for Jackals at the time, and we're sitting right next to the the, um, the light board, and they were in loads at the time at the garden, right, the light designer, yeah. and like, so we walk in like, holy shit, look at those bass drums put together with a gas mask and other marshals, and we're sitting there, and we're talking like, I'm like, dude, who is this band? So, oh, it's Van Halen, when did you see these guys, kid, you know? Yeah. And, uh, 
that happened to be that like guy was uh, who? What's, what's, what's his name? Who was uh, David Lee Roth's manager? He was with Van Halen forever. Oh, like Peter guy. Angelus. Yeah, it was him. Whoa. And we're like kids. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you wait, and we were looking at him with our eyes like, oh, my God. I've never seen anything like it, like a band just come out and shred like that, man. Maybe Pantera, that's another one. But yeah, shit. but Van, Van Halen? Van Halen, like a, a UFO landed, you know what I mean? Oh, it's my just, God. Boom. And everybody went out and bought the record the next day, honestly. It was yeah. like, that was it. But, but changing, man. But that's kind of the same situation. It happened out here, but, you know, you had Van Halen and kind of localized kids that grew up together. It's kind of like what happened with your group of friends, you know, once Charlie and those guys hit and then it starts snowballing for all of you. And it's just amazing to watch. You know? Oh, it's good. It's great. Yeah. I mean, just being around, you know, everybody just loves music and just friends and going to shows together. It's not like it, man. It's great. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned rainbow before. I mean, is it the, is it the, the cozy pile thing? Is it Bobby? Is it like, what is it's it? Everything. All, it's everything. I mean, I just, Dio, Cozy, Bob Daisley, Jimmy Bain. I mean, that was such a great band. And, you know, all those old band, like UFO, with you know, Thin Lizzy, too, man. Come on. Yeah. yeah. I love the I love the Down to Earth album, and I know not many people do because of Grand Bonnet. Well, but... that's the kind of project I was going to talk to you about. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, let's talk about that later. <laughs> no, no. But no, I yeah, mean, that's a great record. Yeah, it's Hollywood. The, that's a good song, man. Yeah, yeah, it's like the one album when I mean, since you be gone, we'll get you been gone. We'll stick in your head forever, and you want to kill someone. Oh, yeah. but still on the radio all the time. Yeah, yeah. it's still it's still a good song. Um, mm-hmm. I know, you know, you being of Italian descent. I know Keelan would probably want to ask you in LA, what's your favorite Italian restaurant? Cause we don't I think there's many. There is a good place. And the guy from Puglia is called Il Fico on Robertson. Have you been there? No, it's right no, by my fancy. House. Dude, no, it's a pizzeria and it's like gluten free, but man, the spaghetti. And, oh man. Oh, Ooh, meet the balls. <laughs> That's the spice of meet the ball. It's <laughs> unbelievable. I go there every time, man. Yeah. But are they open during this time? Like for takeout? Are they open for takeout right now? Yes, you gotta try it, man. Wait, is it south of Beverly? I'm telling you, man, it's unbelievable. Say their name one more time. Il Fico, I L F I C O. Oh, it's south of Beverly, right? Uh, Robertson. Yeah, it's on Robertson, but south of Beverly. I know, I go there all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah, south of Beverly, that's right. Yeah, great, man. They have a great steak with mozzarella on it. They have a. Oh, man. Well, I know where I'm going tonight. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm going to jot that down, too. Yeah, it is <laughs> Let me know how you like it. Seriously, man. There's only, like, two decent Italian restaurants uh, that I could say in L.A. Like, in Studio City, there's... Well, it's more Encino. Uh, Geo's, have you been there? Uh, no, my brother lives in Encino. I think he mentioned that one. That one's yeah. good because they make the pasta from scratch, too. And sometimes, you mm-hmm. know, the difference is night and day. And then there's um, Oliva's over there in Sherman Oaks. That one's yeah. really good too, but those are the only two. Okay. Like, I won't go anywhere in Hollywood or, you know, there's nothing out here. Well, Muso was good at one time. I haven't been there forever. They had some nice food. Oh, Muso! I live right behind there on Cherokee, but they're not even. I don't even think they're doing takeout right now. They don't. They're not doing the, the pizza over there. Uh, I don't. I think you guys are talking about two different. Restaurants. Oh, I thought you said Muso, Muso and Frank's. No, 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 Mocha, uh, Mario Batali's place. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, oh, okay. Place. Down on Melrose. I, okay. Did that open yeah. after the whole riots and all that? Uh, I, I know they have a pizzeria, like a side thing yeah. you could just pick up. And this is depressing. Like Let's talk about rock and roll. I don't know about <laughs> you, you brought up <laughs> Italian from your food. All right. No, the, fu- the, yeah, the food good part's stuff. good. It's, all right, it's back to the about, music. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And then you also, you know, working for Anthrax, you, you work with Scott, and now you're in Motor Sister with Scott and... Mm-hmm. And um, Jim, who I think is a genius, and I, who else uh, is there? He's amazing. Man. Joey Vera's in there. Joey Vera and Pearl. And Pearl's in there, yeah. Yeah. So I, oh, the new record's cool, man. You're gonna dig it. I can't wait. The last one is great. I miss you. Every, I was always gone every time you guys played, but I want to make sure I'm there next time. I know you guys. Didn't it's you a do real some... fun band. It's a powerful band. It's just you know we just get up and just jam. Just good good music. Just seventies kind of the stuff we grew up on, and it shows, man. It's yeah. just like. Um, Get up and just have fun. Jim so. Wilson's this this guy in I think he's originally from Detroit, right? Yes, he is. He's yeah. originally from Detroit. He's like a power the nicest guy, man. nicest guy, yeah. like a power pop guy. Like loves Bay City Rollers, like loves all that stuff. And yeah. and his solo albums are great. But he was also in Rollins' band for a while. Oh, really? mm-hmm. uh, when I worked with Rollins' band, and what right. and he Mother Superior. Mother Superior. Yeah, he was in yes. that band. That was his band, and so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's also been uh, been playing with Daniel Lanois. He's been playing bass with him for really? a bit. 
Yeah, man. Oh. Amy Lou Harris and her band as well. Jim is so talented, man. Yeah. Great guy. He just knows music inside and out, and you can tell in his songwriting and, and what he does. But when you guys mm-hmm. take what he does and it's heavy, that's amazing. Because Motor Sister, yeah. if you guys haven't checked out Motor Sister, yeah, please find out. it. It's really good. Yeah. Ah, man, yeah. I'm excited about it, so yeah. definitely. So how long, yeah. how long have you been in L.A.? Longer than I've been in New York now. I moved out really? here, what, in 88, 89, around there? Do you move out for Exodus Testament or, or just to get out of the Bronx? <laughs> No, it was, it was, I met a girl out here, you know, it's, it's always that way. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I want, first off, when I first came to LA, it was 85, I came out with Dante on the fluke. We're like, we got on People's Express and we didn't know where the hell we were going. Like, all right, $99 each way. And we got off the plane, like, okay, now what? And it just so happened, the cab driver, this woman, her son was in the band and we want to be close to the rainbow. And that's how that all happened. So, but I just... From there on, it was a, it was January, and I was like, oh, my God, the weather's amazing here. I'm like, and I had to go back to New York in the freezing cold, like, screw <laughs> this, man. So it took me a few years. But the funny thing is, when I first moved to L.A., I was right down the street from you guys on Sherman Way in Coldwater Canyon. Mm. Oh. Nice. And I hated it. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there was nothing to do. So, like, you know, you know how the area is yeah. over there, so. I stayed and at your I place car, once. You know, at the time, I was like, "This is lame, man." So <laughs> I thought ugh. you. I thought you. I stayed at your place. You lived on Havenhurst once, right? Am I? Oh yeah, that was my uh, when I had the condo over there. Yeah. That was nice. Man. That was beautiful, man. We used to walk right to uh, the House of Blues, and that was fun. Yeah, yeah. they just it just got annoying because you know. I'm kind of loud with music, and after a night at the Rainbow, bring my friends over, and then I get a letter from the Homeowners Association every month, and you know, <laughs> like, here we go again. I think I need a house at this point, you know. So. You know, one of my favorite stories about you, John. We were in St. Louis, and Uh-oh. and Zombie was playing on Saturday, but on Friday, Cold Chamber was playing with Nadia. Oh, I remember that, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> and John was full on going down to Chinatown mode, right? And yeah, and there was a guy in a wheelchair and john pushed the wheelchair across the stage <laughs> oh, i took him for a ride man cool. yeah like during the cold chamber it. set dude i was laughing I so hard. naughty about that she cracks up man. Oh, it was so <laughs> funny and then they're like we're kicking you out of here and you're like i'm playing here tomorrow you know what i mean and you, you just wanted your picture on the wall with the guy with the beard that owned the pageant oh, it was the best That's, and actually it's on the wall there man is it anytime we because i played there a few times with the call and it's still i'm like oh my god that was a crazy night before so you know I had, but that was the zombie days yeah yeah so, i had a cop that the night of your zombie show put a gun to my head because i was trying to get there was that alley between the bus and and Loden, and i was going uh-huh. down there and he's like you can't be back here and i you know i hate to show the move where you show the all access but you have to because you're working because we're going to do a, a meet and greet right. and a guy puts me up against the wall puts the gun on my head and just like i could kill you right now and no one would care like, wow! Oh shit! Like, that's rad, dude. Oh man! Butthole puckers a little bit. <laughs> yeah, pissed my like, pants. Right. But anyway, God, that's just my own personal story. Um, so yeah, so what was it like? Like you guys all in the Bronx, and then you know, Anthrax worked hard, but it was only a couple of years before you could tell it was moving forward. Oh yeah, I, I remember seeing Anthrax. Um, man, it was the first. It was Anthrax and Metallica New Year's Eve at the Left Bank, this small club. Mount Vernon, that was a Neil Tur- Turbin at that time, yeah. you know? And like, and everybody's like, Metallica, who's this band Metallica? What's the big thing about that, man? <laughs> it was with Cliff, and it was Kill em All, or something, you know, back mm-hmm. then. So, yeah. And yeah, man, they just started doing more and more shows, and they would play Lemores a lot, and they do the weekends, and, and then they get tours, I'm like, ah, yeah. And they just said, then, then once, once Belladonna got in there, it changed everything, man. Yeah. I I think everyone wants yeah once that EP came out Armed and Dangerous everyone's like whoa this is even different than what Slayer or Metallica was doing like all right this is something totally different this is going to be on the level of Iron Maiden absolutely I'll never forget hearing the Armed and Dangerous for the first time we're like whoa listen this guy sing man it was badass like yeah like Iron Maiden like it was Bruce Dickinson kind of thing you know yep It, it was crazy. And you're like, man, if this guy just lays out in the sun a little bit more, this is, this shit's gonna be. 
He still looks the same. That's the I funny know. part. It's unbelievable. And, and same with his wife, Krista, who is so sweet, and she looks exactly uh, the yeah. same, man. It's unbelievable. I know, man. <laughs> we did the, the cruise a couple of years ago, and uh, we were hanging out. We had a, we had a fun time sun. just talking about the old times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. He's a, he's a sweet, yeah. sweet person. I love Joey, man. It's funny. It's like each and every one of those guys that played like in the band with, you know, Frankie played in Hellman and with Scott and working for them and stuff. It's it's unbelievable how everything works within that band. Dude, yeah, exactly. It's the old friendship. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if people found out who does what in that band, I think if people realize, you know, who writes the riffs, who, who does all mm-hmm. of that work, that would be fantastic. Hey, we have a friend of yours just walked in. Who's that? <laughs> is that Rachel? It's Rachel, Rachel, yeah. Is she picking up the drums? Yes, she's picking up the drums. Let's get her on the mic. Get over here. <laughs> How you doing, Rachel? Hi, Johnny. What's up, Rach? How you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Marky McManus wanted me to say hi to both you, Johnny, and you, Tim. Hello, Marky. Tell her I said hello. <laughs> I will. <laughs> What are you doing? Picking up drums. <laughs> yeah. well, actually, can I, tell you, can I tell you guys what I just did? Yeah, let us know. I, I had to stop at Target quickly, and um, there was a kid <laughs> walking through the parking lot without shoes on, and I kind of followed him inside to see if his parents were with him, and they weren't. And so I spent the last hour and a half chasing a kid around Target, trying to flag them down to get the police to find his parents. Wow. wow. Oh, my God. You so, could have bought shoes for him. But, but, well, well. Yeah, I but, know. That's what I thought. You bought him a pair of shoes. So <laughs> shoes. Put him in a wheelchair. Flip yeah. him around. I'm, I'm breaking in new Doc Martens. Oh, and, and, oh, yeah. and running, running in circles no. around Target, chasing a six-year-old wearing Doc Martens. I mean, I must have done six laps because once the staff started, started like trying to corral him, he freaked out, and I was the only person he talked to. So he started like full dart running. So I just oh, no. I just oh, did no. laps around Target and brand new Doc Martens. My heels are hammered. Are broken the in now? <laughs> so Blister City. Breaking in Doc Martens is the worst thing. Actually, yeah. John, you gave me a pair of Doc Martens and I took oh, them. Oh, yeah. They're the worst. Yeah, man. I took them breaking to London them and Dale and I walked around the whole city in these brand new Doc. And I was like, Ooh. I couldn't walk for two days after that. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for days, right? I'm like, oh, I'm, gonna get, I'm not getting back into those things, man. Yeah, yeah, ever. Put me in a full body. I never wore them again, ever. And I appreciate you giving me those shoes. I gave them to you. I'm like, I'm not going to wear it. Exactly. Fuck Drail. He'll like them. Torture him for a bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially breaking them in in London with all the cobblestone because oh, it's, it's oh, not, yeah, it's not even streets. So yeah. like breaking in shoes there is a whole different... I don't game. even know why I did it, but I, I never wore them again. Like, I brought them home, <laughs> and I never wore yeah. Doc Martens ever again. It was just I wanted to try them out, you know? <laughs> so, Rachel, we're talking about some of Johnny's favorite drummers and... Cozy Pal. Yeah, exactly. Oh, How about you? Bing, bing, bing. Um, Ooh, that there's so many guys that I appreciate for different reasons, but I will tell you one of the the guys that got me to start playing drums was Randy Castillo. Okay, yeah, it's a good one. We're from the same place, and when I was a young kid, long before I was a drummer, he gave me the feeling. I mean, where I grew up in New Mexico, it's kind of has this attitude of. You can't do that. You're from here. You think you could write a song? You're from here. You yeah. can't leave yeah. the state. You're from here. And, you know, I remember being like probably like nine, ten years old and thinking to myself, like, why can't I go to college out of state? Like that guy from Albuquerque plays with Ozzy. If he could go do that, then I can do other things, too. So he really inspired me to just like reach beyond my current circumstance. And wow. so he like just inspired me a lot in my life. And, and um, then, you know, we got to be really good friends before he passed away. And. You know, when I moved to L.A., he used to look after me and like he'd see me out at the rainbow or at some party in the hills. And he'd come up and be like, Rach, did you play your drums today? And I'd be like, no, not today, Randy. And he'd be like, OK, cool. Did you play them yesterday? And he'd be like, no, I, I was busy yesterday. And he'd grab me by my, my shirt and, and kick me out. He'd throw me out onto the street wherever I was. Uh, <laughs> and he'd start yelling at me in Spanish. Pinchejo, these out of it. He'd just yell at me as if I was like a naughty five-year-old. And he'd throw me out into the street and he'd be like, get out of here. I don't want to see you till you've practiced your drums. you got to make me proud. And if, awesome. if you have time to be here, you have time to play. So you have no right being here unless you've practiced today. Wow. So so there was times. Good people, man. Yeah. Randy was he was awesome. Yeah, th- there was times I'd be getting ready to like go out to like whatever party or whatever was happening at the time, and I'd be putting on makeup and I'd be like, "Shit, I got to I got to work on like the practice pad for at least twenty minutes, or else Randy's gonna kick my ass if I see him." Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing because show pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. There, there's a whole like like Let people. Me see like, the picture. 
like Johnny and Charlie and Joey C. There's so many great drummers from from that generation. You know what I mean? That that were inspired by people from from back in the day, from the '70s stuff. But I think Johnny, like you guys, because you had the mix of Motorhead and some of the the heavier stuff, took it to yeah. a whole nother level. You know what I mean? Like like Cliff Davies from Ted Nugent was amazing, uh, but didn't great. push I love him, it. Man. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. But didn't have awesome. that push. But then that next generation of you guys really had that push and and could well, do. Clyde, both. When Clyde Burwell, and well, Filthy was like Motorhead. That was probably the fastest song, you know, Overkill yeah. at the time. Yeah. And the fastest a shark Fast came out. Accept, yeah. And then yeah, and then Iron Maiden. And when we heard that record, like, who the hell is this guy, man? Wow. So. Yeah, they were never the same without him. By the way, I mean, <laughs> everyone Maiden? loves Nico. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love Nick. Ah, oh, man. It's I know. I'm not talking but... shit, but I just think that Clyde Burr had that <laughs> yeah, you groove. Are. You know what I mean? I'm always talking shit. You're sh- <laughs> son of a man. <laughs> I mean, how about you, Rachel? Like, what were some of your favorites? Some of my favorite drummers? Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, there's there's so many different people that influence me in different ways. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little younger than all you guys. so Take like, it easy. So, so, uh, <laughs> so it, 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 Shots it, fired. <laughs> boom, boom. Um, hey, but, you know, the girl guy standard is different. You guys are younger than me, and with if you look at it that way. Um, but, uh, you know, so, like, Kenny Aronoff, his feel is amazing. Mm-hmm. His pocket mm-hmm. is deep. It's great. Like, you could, you could turn a so- on the radio and flip through songs, and you could just hear which songs Kenny played because his feel is specific. Yeah. But it's good. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know. There's so many people that inspire me. It's like, for me, my inspiration artistically kind of comes more from, like, how people inspire me in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like Thomas Lang, as you know, Thomas inspires Lang. me because he's always so encouraging and, like, so great. And Johnny, you know Thomas. You guys are buddies, too. Yeah. He's gr- the gr- great. Drum-inator. The drumminator. The <laughs> drumminator. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's just different people that inspire me for different reasons, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of them. No, it's cool. I mean... You know, when it comes to drums and drummers, like we had Jimmy Dand on here a couple months ago and he taught me a lesson about Joey Kramer because Joey Kramer to me is like Roger Taylor from Queen. Like, yeah, he's there. But but Jimmy was like, you know, Joey Kramer does things that only Joey Kramer can do. And then when you really listen, like, oh, shit, I hear it there. You know what I mean? Oh, listen. yeah, man. Like, listen to, I mean, walk this way. And like, I always play in soundcheck, well, Lord of the Thighs. That's a great song. Oh, yeah. such a great, such a great song. But He's you, a pain in the ass, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> if, you, if you go a little later and you listen to like the Pump album, the drums in the Pump album. I don't know that album. It is, the, li- listen to it just for the drums. Okay. Are phenomenal. The drums are great. <laughs> That's your generation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like the yeah. old Aerosmith. Well, I mean, I, I'll listen to nobody's man, fault. You know? <laughs> I, I like the old Aerosmith too, but li- listen to the Pump album and listen to the production of ah. drums. Yeah, I'll check it, it out. It's, it's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, I heard it before. It's good. I seen you know, like every. You video guys are like we listened to it once record. and then you know went back to you know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for you, John, like when when Rain and Blood came out, and I know you were with Charlie at the time. Like, yeah. what, what happened? Like when you heard, and a lot of it is the production. Oh my god, I'll never forget. We were driving. You we were on tour in Europe. I did was that first tour, and um. You know, as I was, just, and we were all in a van together, and we would just bounce it back and forth, like run into each other while the van's driving. I think Art Ring was driving the van or something, and we would just like head banging. Man, I never heard anything like it. Man, it was it was just vicious and scary. You know? Yeah, I know. There's always been that that little bit of a rivalry between those two, which is funny because they're both great at what they do, and. You know, you know, it's it's great to have that, man, like East Coast, West Coast thing. Yeah, and they're very musical in there. I mean, Charlie, obviously, because yeah. he writes the riffs. So he, like, his drum yeah. fails, he knows exactly what he's going to do. But but exactly. but Lombardo is very musical over that heavy stuff. Because the guitar players aren't mm-hmm. musical, but it's Dave's drumming. Oh, yeah. So And that's why it's so different without him. I'm not a big fan of Slayer without Lombardo, to be honest with you. Well, tell me how you really feel. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing to lose at this point, man. <laughs> I know, right? Who's going on tour anyhow? You're not going to see anybody kicking your ass. Right, right? exactly. I don't, <laughs> I don't have to avoid anyone at any festivals or anything right? anymore. <laughs> right. Oh, boy, what a crazy time, man. Get this year over with already. Let's go. Yep. So when are you going back to New York? I was just there last month, so obviously not not anytime soon. Yeah. I'm, I'm staying staying bunkered for a bit right now. I saw, I got obviously. a video, Dante sent me a video of Caggiano climbing out of a window of a hotel because he's afraid to go in the lobby. I've seen it. <laughs> he's Are you kidding mind. me? That's amazing. Oh my God. That guy is the biggest meatball. I love him so much. But <laughs> we my- were bunkered up in the studio because he was like, you know, out in Long Island and 
friggin' Babylon, and like, and this guy has this great uh, studio, but it's like an industrial warehouse kind of situation. And we didn't have a car, and he would just leave, you know, go home to his wife. It was just him and I, like in the studio. And I'm like, oh, we do. I'm going to. I go to bed early. I'm like, and he'll be up all, you know, oh, all yeah. night hanging out and listening to stuff. And but it was just so funny. The morning he come down, like, wait, what's going on over there? You know? <laughs> That's a good impersonation. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, he's uh, an hour to make his coffee. It's a French press. I'm like, are we ready to track? I want to track early. I'm up at like eight in the morning, you know. By the time we get going, it's four o'clock. So there is nothing better than when him, when Caggiano and Bello would room together on the road when Rob was in Anthrax. Oh my god! You talk about broken windows and fights and laughter. Oh, it's the best. Those two are maniacs. (laughs) Absolutely. I wish I was there for that, man. Yeah, those are good times. Um, Good times. So what's next for you? Um, I don't know. We, uh, we might be going to the studio this month. My mother's just doing some more stuff. So, okay. and the cult's next just, couple weeks. Cult's just on hold. Yeah, Billy's been in England the whole time. Yeah. So yeah, you know, but Billy. The good thing is Billy's been writing with the producer out there who's from England. You know, pretty close by. So writing new songs, and hopefully at one point we can all get together and you know jam out. Yeah. Do you but have any dates on the know. horizon that are they're at least throwing out there to you? Nah, nothing no, as of yet. Cool. So, we'll see. Johnny, you've you've it's, done a lot of albums during this quarantine, haven't you? I did a couple things, yeah, yeah. which is fun, you know. What did I do? I forget. No, the Mother yeah. Sister actually. We were doing it at Dave Grohl's studio, and that's when my friend knew someone who worked at the governor's office, and she told me they're going to be doing lockdown. And I remember I just finished my drum tracks, and everybody's like all freaked out. We got to go, and I was like, "Can I get out of here?" And I remember going to market, just stocking up, because. But it didn't happen for like another week, but that's when it did happen. So we had a little heads up on that one, and then, uh, yeah, man, I did. You know, I could try the Temple record and stuff, and. Yeah, it's been kind of fun doing do, stuff here and there. Do you know offhand how many albums you've recorded in your career? Uh, no. i got to look at the, the stupid website or something. I'd have to look so at Wikipedia to be yeah, honest. Right? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, I know, there's a couple. It's yeah. amazing how much you've done since that time. I mean, like I said, I know we met when Reagan was president, but like the minute you, oh the minute you took it off, the minute it took off, when like Reagan was president. I love everyone. It, man. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> yes. We're a little bit older. Oh my God. But you've done so much, man. And like I said, you're a good dude from a great family. Um, uh, thanks, Tim. I love you. You know that I, you've been a, a friend to everyone in this room at some point. So let me tell you guys, Hey, we've been friends since the, Freaking Reagan era. Take it easy. <laughs> Tell him again. <laughs> One more time. Yeah. I think we're probably the same age. No, I think I'm a little bit younger than you. Because I'm younger uh, than Frankie. I'm sure you are. I'm like three years <laughs> yeah. younger than Frankie. Oh, you are? Yeah, Frankie's a year younger than me. So there okay. you go. All right. There you go. Did the math. Hey, Tim, have you ever it. been to Johnny's house to see his snare collection? I have not. I was going to ask him, like, how many full sets he has, because I always see what he has going uh, on. I'm running out of room. I got wow. drums, like, everywhere now. Now they're in the basement. One kit's at Tama, and, and the Tama rep is borrowing my other kit to practice with. Then I have another kit in my friend's garage in Malibu. It's like shit's everywhere, man. He has, man. like, 12 kits <laughs> in his rehearsal room. And like, yeah, I've been to the room. Uh, yeah, that's stacked. I probably have about 13, 14 kits now. And a lot of the kits are huge. They're double bass kits. What were you doing with so, Joey C. over there the other day, or a couple weeks ago? Oh, Joey, um... I had, I had an extra floor tom, this old Tama kid I got, and he posted he was looking for an 18-inch floor tom. I go, and the finish I have, I go, dude, I have an extra one. So and he goes, are you serious, bro? So I was like, just do a trade. I've been collecting <laughs> symbols, like, like signed symbols. I got a great collection of signed symbols now, man. It's insane. And so Joey came on the studio. I gave him the floor time. We're jamming out. He, you know, he gave me a symbol signed with a pair of his sticks from Queens of the Stone Age. So oh, it's cool, man. So I love cool. Joey. Yeah, Joey's yeah. the best. Again, one of those generational guys that just took drums to the whole next level, like you did, Charlie oh, did, Lombardi did. He's a monster, did. dude. He is a monster. It's funny seeing him play double bass. I'm like, look at this kid go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've always, always, when I worked with Queens of the Stone Age, you know, because I was mm-hmm. there for the Grohl stuff too, but when Joey came in, I've always liked his playing on that stuff better than Dave's even. Got a great feel, man. Yeah, he really does. He's an all-timer. All-timer. Yeah, man. Love him. All right. Johnny, what was your favorite album that you've played on? What do you think, like, you had the most fun recording? Uh, Fun recording? 
Well, I mean, this has to be the first with Exodus, you know, doing that, doing your first record. But I was kind of like, I, you know, I didn't get my feet wet. But then doing the White Zombie record was a lot of fun. But as far as, man, I would maybe the Testament Low record because that was we worked really hard on that one, you know, and yeah. and the accommodation, you know, sleeping on Wolf and Morgan's futon, spending a lot of time up there, didn't have any money, but you know, we practiced a lot, and Eric and I, you know, were there every single day, and once we tracked that, but. You know, there's, there's a special thing for, I think, each record I was on. Mother Sister was fun, and this this thing I just did with Caggiano, man, that's, that's really heavy. I can't wait to hear the uh, end result on that one. When do you, like, when you're recording, you know, I would imagine, say, with Rob, it wasn't as, you didn't have as much free, uh, free, um, Create, creative. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Control. Yeah, creative control. Actually, the the one thing was I, I started playing the drum beat for more human, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he's like, keep playing that. And he, we had a little shitty four track at the time. And and that became the beat, the groove for that. And then Jay and it just became this song in the studio. I didn't think that song was ever going to make the record. Did so you get a writer's Charlie credit? Clouser did the programming on it. Then, the, you know, Jay slide and the Rob's vocals and, yeah. and, you know, just everything came together on that one. Man. I was like, holy shit. I had no idea that that would be the first single yeah. that way. Do you, yep. I know you still speak to Sean. Do you still speak to Jay at all? Or? Jay's been living in Spain for a long time now, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob, you know, I've been in touch with Rob, you know, saying hi here and there uh, last couple of months. So, yeah, man, it's all good. But Shauna, yeah, her and I are tight. So we kind of like, she has a place in New York City. So if I'm there, you know, I'll stay at her condo because she lives in New Orleans most of the time. So. Yeah. Works out. Yeah, Jay was always, I loved, he was in a band called Rights of the Accused from Chicago that I absolutely loved before he did the uh-huh. whole white zombie thing. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I think Jay was the one who saw like Zodiac Mind Warp and then Rob right, just ran right. with, the, with the look. Mm-hmm. We'll defy so. the logic of alphabets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love Jay, man. Yeah, he's very music. He knows everything about music. You'd see Jay, like I'd be in the hotel room and, and there goes Jay. He's wandering and he'd come back with a bag of records and he would just go to pawn shops, record stores, and that's how he is, man. He's like the traveling dude everywhere. Yeah, that's good to hear, man. I always love when bands don't treat it as a job and they still love music and that's why I love you, John. Yeah, absolutely, man. Right? Mm-hmm. All right, so what, what, we covered that Roger Taylor's overrated as a drummer, as <laughs> was Eric Carr. He had one of the best drum sounds, man. Who? Roger Seriously. Taylor? That's because yeah, Roy Thomas Baker, not because so of... <laughs> yeah. No, I'm oh just, I'm just saying, he just... Listen, it's just a thing. I love his voice. I love his songwriting, but the drums, they could have been a little more special. Hey, I All wish right. I wish uh, Barry Brandt was in Kiss instead of Peter Chris or Eric Carr. How about that? Oh, you! So you like those angel dudes, those uh, girls over there, right? Yeah, whatever dude. you want to call them. Angel yeah. is fantastic. I never got into them, man. They were really? Just like, yeah, they were too pretty, man. Not even Barry yeah. Brandt's I like drumming. Stars, though. Stars were cool. Stars was good. They should have had Barry Brandt play drums and Stars, but God, get out of here, <laughs> Joe X Doobie, baby. Come on, <laughs> Joe X played on Love Gun. Like Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Piss he party. was one of the first Tama guys. You really, you know that? No, I did not know that. I'll tell you something funny. Um, I remember seeing his ad on. You seen the famous like well not famous yeah, with the but mustache. it was the Tama Ed with Joe. He had like the big Peter Chris Chris kit, but in double bass, right? They yeah, were yeah. Tom a single a concert toms. So I used to ha- I had that ad in my notebook in school as a kid, you know, like, I just loved the kit. And uh, I know Richie Rano and he always he, he he loved the cult. So he always come to shows when we play out in like Jersey and stuff. And he brought Joe X Doobie to uh, to the last cult show we played last year. And he brought the photo of the one I had at eight by ten and he signed it to me, man. So oh, that's it kinda great. tripped me out. It's one of those things too, you know, it's like Whoever knew, right? You should you should have had him sign some mustache wax. He had that Raleigh <laughs> fingers, dude. Oh yeah, that's so cool. He had that before. I, no, probably around the same time as Neil Peart, right? Yeah, Neil had it too. He he did kind of yeah, look like dude. Neil if I think about it, like twenty one twelve Neil. Yeah, see what I'm talking about? Yeah, Rush would be better if they had a different drummer. Oh, God, you're going to get it today, you. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> now, now I know why you wanted Johnny on the phone. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I just like talking. I think we're the only people talking about Joe X Doobie today. <laughs> right? I love there, it. There's no one else right now. Hey, no, John, Johnny, no. tell, tell, because just today the memory popped up that exactly one year ago I saw you play in London. And, That's right. And tell Tim about the symbol you got at that show. 
Oh, well, I invited Les Binks to the show, Ooh, man. Wow. Now we're talking. I seen him on Facebook, and we're talking. We, we messaged him back and forth. I'm like, that's a freaking Wuhan China symbol. I know that sound because they used to play him. He goes, wow, you're very, you know, yeah, you know your stuff. And, and I started, I was like, hey, man, we're going to be playing. Where do you live? In London, you know, in England. He goes, I live in London. I go, well, we're playing at the Hammersmith over there, the Hammersmith Odeon. And uh, because I love to come in the show, he came down and uh, we had like an after show thing where Rachel was at. And I seen him like, oh, shit. So we just started, you know, rapping and Mark Ruziki was there. And, and then uh, I put up the China. I'm like, hey, dude, so what's up with that China? Song? And he goes, yeah, mate, I still have it. I cracked it. He goes, do you want it? I'm like, do I want it? Oh, like, and, then, and he goes, when are you leaving? I go, um, you know, I think it was a week later, right? It was our last show, and we're leaving at a heat He goes, I, li- I live like 10 minutes away. I-, I could bring it to the airport. I'm like, really? Wow. I'm like, holy shnikes. But he couldn't make it. He had a session. So he goes, I'll just send it to you. And he signed it to me, you know, with, you know, he's it on every priest record, staying class to help with leather and, you know, unleashing the East, man. That was it. Man. How, do you, how does that I band go? From New York with me. How does that, that band go from Les Binks to Dave Holland? I mean, I like it. Me and oh. Charlie, we, we talk about Dave Holland. He just had a good feel, but Les Binks is, you know, Les is a very light player. He's more jazzier for that yeah. kind of like Simon Phillips, dude. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, they used him. And then on there was that one Sin. Simon Phillips album. Yeah, Sin After Sin, right? <laughs> yeah, and and Les is a huge Simon Phillips. Did you, I'll, I'll send you a clip of Les doing a, a drum solo. This is a few years ago, but I forget where it was at in England. But he's going off like Simon Phillips, man. He's got some chops. Dude. Yeah, he was something else, man. The, the two mm-hmm. drummers people don't really talk about. Les Binks, one of them, and then Ansley yeah. Dunbar. Ansley oh no, Dunbar. Ansley! I'll talk, I've been getting. I've been on this journey kick lately, man. This whole thing, like the first couple records. Oh, next, unbelievable! That album, and next. Central and I. That's it's. It's so funny you bring up Ansley because I was talking to Steve Warner yesterday, Budgie, and he has Ansley's snare drum, and wow. he goes, "Dude." If I ever sell, I'll sell it to you and I'll give it to you. And, and it happens to be the same snare drum that I gave to Charlie that Charlie recorded the first two Anthrax and SOD record with. So, damn. Like, how, how cool would that be? I mean, you have Dunbar, and he played with, you know, Zappa, and then he ends up in that journey, which was so progressive. Oh, my God. That album, Bowie, Zappa, Whitesnake, 1987, man. Yeah. Come on, still in the night. Let's rock this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then, you know. I, you know, you imagine then he's playing lights. I know lights made Journey all this money, but I think those guys like Raleigh and even Sean to some level were just like, "What's happening here?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause, oh man. Because they were players, like those, well, like you so said, those Steve first. Smith, though. Steve, Steve Machine Steve, Gun, yeah. Steve Smith was. Yeah. You don't call someone Machine Gun for no reason. I'll tell you what, man. You listen to those first two Journey records. He's doing some sick drumming on there, man. Yeah. Honestly. And they Check sound great. Oh, and his drum. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I love Angeli. Great player. He had some chops. He was like a cozy, but he was definitely more like jazzier than cozy. All right. Let me ask right. you this. Five Good. favorite drummers ever, not including Eric Carr. <laughs> well, it's always going to be Bonham, right? Okay. <laughs> it's yeah, always, maybe. you know, up there. Cozy, definitely. Oh, man, that's a hard one because... It's like someone did the top ten drummers you like. I, I can't do that. Like a hundred of them, right? And so, I mean, it's Terry Bozio and. Well, we didn't even yeah. get into missing persons yet. Are you kidding me? Oh, dude. Part two. Yeah, they're still setting up the drum kit as well. In the yeah. garage, man, in the basement from 1983. It was so new wave, black and white. The missing person shirt, mm. long sleeve. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? Here's an yeah. easier list to ask. Who's your favorite one arm drummers? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you guys are evil, man. You I'm trying to make it easy for you. <laughs> yeah. Here's a hint. By the way, those first two albums, <laughs> those first two albums are amazing. So I don't care what anyone says. High and Dry, the second one is. That, that's not. That's oh, two arm. Know. That's two arm drummers. Well, you I, can't count I that. Know. I don't. I've never heard a Def Leppard full album after that. But this High and Dry is a fucking. That is. That's amazing. a great record. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Oh my! I gotta sh- let me find this picture, man. Hold on, I'm gonna send it to you while we talk. I was gonna say no one can see. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a How are you, you doing, Rachel? Here? Just laughing. Yeah. Looking Just up laughing. photos. Here we go. You ready for this one, Tim? Where are you sending it? I'm. I'm I just uh, texted to you. Okay. Through, through the interwebs. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, really? Come on, man. Well, no, yeah. it's, it's plugged into the equipment here because we're. I'll look at it later then. Yeah, what is it though? Fine. Is it just an arm? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> a baby 
Thank you. I'm holding an apple. Here's, here's <laughs> what we're going to do. We're going to do another episode sometime with you, Caggiano, oh, yeah. Bello, and Dante. That would be amazing. Yeah. And he'll be talking about pizza the oh. whole time. I was going to yeah. say, who's bringing the pie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Johnny right. Pie. Johnny, Johnny Pie. pie. If anyone's <laughs> ever had Johnny Pie, I don't think anyone here, Cody has, but no, you guys no. have. Johnny Pie is the the best pizza. It's outside of Bronxville, right? It is not right? the best pizza. It's good pizza. It's not the best What's pizza, the best okay? pizza? Let's Louis do that. Louis and Ernie's in the Bronx is way better. Okay? No, no, when I go to New York, I always got to get Sbarro. <laughs> <laughs> Original race. <laughs> I like race pizza, the yeah. one like a yeah. yeah. Stromboli's in the village is great. Patsy's is great. It used to be. That's closed down. I, I, actually, Nino's is one of the best back in the day. Yeah, Nino's is good. Um, Patsy's. No more obviously. Nino's. No more Stromboli. It's all Wait, gone. Too. Stromboli's gone. Yep. No. The Starbucks now. No. Oh, oh, my God. no. Yeah. No. What do you think? When yeah. did it, I was just there last year. Uh, wait, maybe Stromboli. Maybe that's still, but Nino's is a Starbucks now. Oh, that's horrible. Man. And I haven't been to that. When I was in New York last time, I didn't even go to the city once, man. It's like nothing's open. So what's the sense yeah, of going what, there? What is yeah. the drag? Yeah. Hang out in Bronx. And when I say it's Shona's condo, she's like two blocks away from you know all the good stuff right there in Bowery and Spring. So what pizza do you Cody's eat in L.A.? Just like two blocks there. What that? What pizza do you eat in L.A.? They have a Jones here. I mean, it's it's not like the real Jones, but it's it's actually not too bad. Yeah, they have Jones. There's two boots well, is here. What's that place that we we met at, Johnny, over by the ArcLight, where me, you, and Caggiano ate that time? I forget the oh, name. Oh, uh, 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 Stella Baro. Stella Baro. Yeah. That's not too bad, yeah, but you know what's really good? My brother lives in Encino. There's the Mulberry Street Pizza. Is, is good there. That's our spot. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. That's our spot. There's a good people over there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't go that, that all the way over there by freaking Rodeo Drive shit, you know? No way. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of them. There's, like you said, there's one by your brother's. There's a, there's a couple in Beverly Hills. And that's an Encino. I got to drive. I know. I know. Oh, <laughs> talking about over here. All right, yeah. well, let's all hang out soon, dude. Yeah, man, definitely. If I don't see you guys or talk to you, have a great holiday, and uh, we'll catch up soon, okay? All right. Thank you, Johnny. Bye, Johnny. Later, guys. See you, man. Take care, man. Bye-bye.